How can a local economic development planning commission help their communities leverage their Opportunity Zone designations? Investicadiana serves as a perfect example. Find out more next. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast, the weekly show where we interview Opportunity Zones professionals and experts from fund managers to tax advisors, from real estate developers to venture capitalists. If it impacts Opportunity Zones or the Opportunity Funds industry, we cover it here on the Opportunity Zones podcast. Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Atkinson. Joining me today is the Economic Development Planner for the Acadiana Planning Commission, Chad Lacombe. Chad joins us today from Lafayette, Louisiana. Chad, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Jimmy. Yeah, glad to have you on. I know we were supposed to speak several months back, I think about six months or so, but uh, COVID hit and everything got delayed, but uh, great to have you on the show now. Uh, You guys have a big pitch competition coming up for uh, a few groups in your area. And I want to ask you about that uh, a little bit later on during the course of today's episode. But first, I want you to give me and my listeners a little bit of insight into what the Acadiana Planning Commission is exactly. I believe it's a it's an EDA organization. Uh, but can you can you explain to us what it is and what you do exactly? Okay, the Acadiana Planning Commission is equivalent to the councils of government that many states have, and particularly uh, states like Texas. We're a regional planning organization that is designated by the Economic Development Administration from the Department of Commerce as uh, sort of their arm um, in local governmental arm uh, in, in an area. We represent Louisiana uh, Planning District 4, uh, which is the Acadiana region, and includes a total of seven parishes and 48 municipalities. As a council of government, uh, we really function um, with our board as being comprised of our parish presidents. Uh, the the voice to the, and the intermediary to the federal government in terms of securing uh, financial assistance uh, for economic development purposes. We also house the region's uh, Metropolitan Planning Organization, which is an organization that is derived from the Department of Transportation. And really, we have two functions as transportation planning, uh, as well as economic development, and we also work in the area of um, Drainage planning and uh, and watershed uh, initiatives. Uh, that's a that's a newer uh, function of our organization. But each council of government is a little bit different throughout uh, the nation uh, and has different functions that are derived basically uh, from the needs of the area that they represent. And we're a government sector. Uh, we're created through state legislation and we're designated by the federal government. Gotcha. And there's a public-private partnership group that you've teamed up on called Investicadiana. Is that right? Can you tell us who who's on uh, that group exactly? Okay, back when uh, the jobs cu- uh, the the uh, Tax Cut and Jobs Act of uh, 2017 passed, when the Opportunity Zone um, an incentive was instituted, we formed a partnership with our uh, regional chamber of commerce, uh, the private sector economic development agency uh, in our area called One Acadiana. Um, in addition, it, we realized that there was an importance um, to have the philanthropic sector involved, and we pulled in the Community Foundation of Acadiana. We all represent the same geographic uh, area. Uh, their geographies are a little bit bigger than ours. They include two additional parishes. Uh, so as part of the Investicadia initiative, we actually covered nine parishes or counties uh, in Louisiana, uh, representing a population of almost a million. Got it. So, okay, so we've got a little bit of background on you and 
and where you fit in, where the Acadiana Planning Commission fits in within your district of Louisiana, specifically kind of centered around Lafayette and, and some surrounding communities. Uh, I want to ask you a general question now about EDAs or groups like yours. How do they help with opportunity zones exactly? Do they help bring money in or do they help uh, folks who are on the development side or or business owners or investors? Or w- what role do you serve exactly, specifically in regards to opportunity zones? Well, we, we provide, we, we're actually like a matchmaker. Um, we'll pull together using our partners uh, at One Acadia and the Community Foundation, different stakeholder groups and governmental entities to, to help make the project go. Um, we'll, we'll play matchmaker. Uh, for example, um, One Acadiana serves uh, and maintains the certified sites program for the region uh, with public um, on the private side. And we can match potential business entities with those uh, sites, as well as play matchmaker with local government and help our local governments put together place-based incentive packages that could potentially draw a potential project or um, a redevelopment uh, opportunity. So matchmaking is probably the biggest role we have. Uh, the second one is actually we're the gateway to funding sources that are federal government, um, whether it be USDA um, or EDA or or even the Delta Regional Authority, which is one of the one of the uh, three regional authorities throughout the U.S. Uh, that targets areas that are high poverty, um, low income. Got it. That that makes perfect sense. Uh, I want to ask you more about your matchmaker role and and also how you're working with local government a little bit later on in the podcast. But first, I want to shift our attention now to the pitch competition. It's uh, largely why you're on this episode today is to help promote the pitch competition that you guys are planning. Just It's coming up next week, October 28th. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that and, uh, and, and what you're doing there exactly? Okay, OC Pitch Fest, is, which is what we call it, um, is our um, pitch competition or shark tank type event for Opportunity Zone projects. Uh, we, back in January of this year, put out a call for potential Opportunity Zone projects from throughout our region uh, and have been working with a group of 12 potential projects uh, to narrow down that 12 to a more manageable number um, and help them develop out their pitch decks so that they can are better placed or positioned to attract investment into their project. Uh, pitch Fest will highlight the three of the best of the that cohort and so we can continue to work with the others in the various stages that they are in their development um and that evening we're looking at a 90-minute program where um we're gonna lead off the first pitch competition of the innovate south conference which is a a local or regional conference for entrepreneurial development uh in in acadiana uh, the Innovate South Conference has a, a group of speakers throughout the day prior to our uh, OZ Pitch Fest, uh, culminating on the first day on Pitch Fest uh, for our Opportunity Zones. Uh, these three projects include uh, a healthcare company, um, a, a healthcare startup, as well as a grocery store in a, in a, in a, in a um, food desert. Uh, the judges for the pitch competition our partners for the pitch competition include the Investicadiana partners as well as Opportunity Machine who puts on uh, Innovate South, the Innovate South Conference, as well as um, Accelerator for America, EIG, and uh, CDFA. And so those three organizations are actually going to be the judges for the pitch competition. 
with the winner getting national exposure uh, through their various uh, platforms um, to, to highlight, you know, the, the investable opportunity that that project represents. Uh, we use PitchFest as a way to do project development as part of the Investigatiana program, and they're using it as a, as a matchmaker um, as well as, you know, in, in the matchmaker role to help these projects find other incentives, uh, place-based incentives that they can tap into through Louisiana Economic Development, uh, as well as um, the Regional Chamber and, and, and even uh, the Community Foundation. Um, this is the private side. We're looking for private investment into these projects. Hopefully people are going to be tuning in and are investor ready and are looking for a project to put, put money into. And uh, we're doing our best to make sure that these projects have, um, check all the boxes and are, are investment ready. Um, uh, we're excited that uh, Scott Turner from the White House Opportunity Revitalization Council will be the opening speaker for PitchFest. And from there, we will uh, hear a little bit more about the national opportunities on trends from each of our judges before moving into uh, short pitch presentations that are pre-recorded and a Q&A uh, session with each of the, the, the pitch teams. Now, I was going to say that all starts off at, uh, at 6 p.m. Central Time uh, on October 28th. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I'll ask you again toward the end of the show, but but tell us right now where can where can our listeners go if they want to register for the event and and sit in on the pitch competition and watch. Okay, if you want to register the event, you can go to the Innovate South um, webpage. It's innovatesouth.org, uh, uh, or the Plan Acadiana, uh, not Plan Acadiana. Well, we could put it there too. <laughs> uh, the Plan Acadiana website, as well as the Invest Acadiana website. Uh, it's investacadiana.org org or planacadiana.org. So any one of those three set websites will uh, lead you to the registration page. Registration is free. We are only using it just to make sure we have enough capacity uh, to to host the event. No, that's fantastic. No, it sounds like a, a really neat event, uh, especially if uh, you are looking to place capital in Opportunity Zones this year. Tell me, you hinted a little bit at the three different teams that are pitching, but can you tell me a little bit more about each one? And, and are you, can you disclose their names? I'd, I'd love to hear more about each one of those three teams. Well, uh, I'll just start with the first one. Keys Behavioral Health Systems uh, is working to put together an in-house um, in treatment facility to address the opioid addiction uh, crisis in, in one of our smaller communities. Um, Currently, they operate as an outpatient clinic, and they have a, a long history. They're working with Novogratic, uh, for example, uh, as their uh, accounting agency um, for putting together their OZ fund. Um, and the inpatient facility will also trans has transitional living facilities for people who have graduated from inpatient treatment or in, or in, in transitional living uh, circumstances so that they can break that uh, cycle of addiction. So really, they're going to cover the three phases of, of, of uh, opioid addiction and recovery uh, through outpatient reach, outreach, um, inpatient services, and then transitional living facilities at the one facility. It's uh, it's about a seventeen eighteen million dollar project. Uh, they have secured the, the they have site access they have site control of the, the facilities where they're going to be located. Um, it's interesting because the buildings they're using are all historic, so they're going to be using a combination of historic preservation tax credits and everything for the renovations um, for both the residential facility, the long-term residential facility, as well as the uh, the treatment facility. Um, the other projects we have are 
a handy stop grocery, which is a grocery store targeting the downtown Lafayette area, which is a food desert. Um, and that is coming online at about the same time, uh, between three and 400 housing units are coming online in downtown Lafayette. And it's part of the downtown Lafayette revitalization program, our, our project, uh, and, and is intimately involved with uh, the downtown development authority here at Lafayette. And the, the final pitch is a pure business opportunity or pure business, OZ business. They are located in um, the healthcare corridor in Lafayette, which is uh, the anchor institution in one of our opportunity zones, as well as the university. And what they've developed is a um, medical treatment device to treat patients who are potentially going into shock or have traumatic uh, brain injury. There's a company called NeuroRescue has developed a collar that can be either be heated or cooled based on the needs of the patient, um, which uh, after clinical trials and initial stuff, we're hoping will help improve the survivability rate for people with traumatic injuries. That's great. All, all three of those sound like uh, very worthy candidates to receive some funding and some additional national attention. Uh, love the event that you're putting on here coming up next week. Wanted to see if you could Tell us a little bit more about uh, how you play that role of of matchmaker, uh, and and actually more specifically, I want to ask you, you know, if if our listeners out there are probably real estate developers or business owners, maybe they're investors, and they they want to know what can my local EDA organization do for me in terms of matchmaking. So, Chad, turning over back to you now, what do you do? in order to facilitate that matchmaking obviously you're having this uh this pitch event pitch fest next week but beyond that how else do you put people together in a room and and set up these matches well and and i'll kind of i'll backtrack a little bit and kind of goes to the the structure of our organization we are responsible uh through eda uh the economic development administration of putting together a comprehensive economic development strategy for our region um and Part of that comprehensive economic development strategy, or SEDS, uh, includes a set of goals and objectives, and that includes promoting uh, priorities that are regional specific. As part of that role, we also serve as the gatekeeper to the EDA uh, grant process and funding, which provides support for critical infrastructure that helps grow businesses within our region. For example, if you have uh, an industrial park that needs broadband access, uh, it is within our scope uh, to put together grant applications that would help bring broadband access to that um, industrial park. And that helps the industrial park recruit tenants. Uh, now, in the perfect world, you have a tenant who's looking for the park and you just need the, the infrastructure piece, which is where we would fit in. We've also worked with the, uh, you know, one of the grants we have put together is for the Lafayette Regional Airport. Uh, to help them uh, put together their new terminal facility. And that has a regional uh, economic impact uh, for businesses or making businesses attractive. But a lot of our investments are related um, and, and working with our federal uh, agency partners in, uh, in programming that is or enhances infrastructure that is necessary for commerce or necessary for businesses. Uh, and that includes uh, working with uh, not only the Economic Development Administration or EDA, but the Delta Regional Authority, um, which is uh, includes the areas along the Mississippi River Delta um, that are that have a history of high poverty rates, as well as the uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture, which has a number of funding programs that we could tap into um, to help um, provide the infrastructure that business needs. Uh, on the private side, our, our partners at One Acadiana 
again, help with site selection. And then we could, the three of us together can coordinate with uh, the state economic development industry, which uh, packages uh, other incentive programs uh, like the Fast Store program here in Louisiana. So we That's play a matchmaker between all of those different parts. <laughs> That's very valuable what you're doing, Chad, uh, serving as an intermediary uh, between all those different entities to really help make this thing go. Um, I know you also work with, as do other economic development planners, works closely with local government. So how, how do you work with, with your local government in Lafayette and some of the surrounding communities? How do you coordinate with them exactly and, and what do you advise them on? Well, our, our, our local government focus is actually fundamental to how we're even structured. Um, our board of directors is composed of the seven parish presidents or, or, or county presidents um, from the region. Uh, so that's our board of directors. Uh, what we do is work directly with uh, with those individuals to to find out what the priorities are for each of their their counties or parishes. Uh, the second is is we work with our local governmental entities, whether it's a you know a village or, or a village of 500 or a city of 100,000, to develop out um, the incentive programs and packages that they have locally, particularly in the opportunity zone sphere. You know, we we try I like to think was we try to help develop the toolkit that our economic development entities, whether they're public sector, private sector, or philanthropic, um, with developing the tools that they need to do uh, the work that they do. And that includes uh, the designations for opportunity zones, which we were integral in um, for our region, as well as uh, helping our local government entities develop economic development districts or TIF districts, as other people, um, as a as kind of economic development district, um, other tax incentive programs, as well as working with EPA uh, through assessment grants um, to help fund assessment of potential brownfield sites uh and redevelop those sites uh that's kind of the big picture good yeah and there are a lot of tiff incentives or other types of local economic development incentives or, or local tax credits that opportunity zone deal sponsors or fund issuers may be able to take advantage of and so if you're listening out there and want to learn more about what might be going on in in your neck of the woods you know i would encourage you if you are located in or around Lafayette, get in touch with Chad. But if you're not, if you're located anywhere else, uh, figure out who your economic development planner is for your area and and reach out because uh, it, it could make a huge difference in your project. Uh, Chad, you have an announcement to make, I believe, about uh, regional prospectus that you're putting together. Can you tell us a little bit about about that? Back in 2019, in, in February, we unveiled one of the one of the nation's first regional prospectuses. Um, at, at an event that was co-hosted with uh, with the FDIC and the Office of Control of Currency. Uh, that event was attended by about 400 people, and we put together what was intended to be a high-level overview of all of the region's uh, 25 opportunity zones. Uh, the intent was always to come back behind that and use that as the front piece to develop our community-specific opportunity zone prospectuses for each of our rural communities. We were fortunate enough to get a, a grant from the Delta Regional Authority, um, which I mentioned earlier, to, to help develop out these prospectuses. And coming next week as part of PitchFest, we're going to be unveiling seven um, opportunity zone prospectuses for seven communities that have opportunity zones throughout Acadiana. And uh, these all are designed to be complementary to each other and nest underneath the umbrella of Invest Acadiana, um, which is also a website. <laughs> And, and 
has a portal that allows people to do matchmaking between uh, Opportunity Zone funds, investors, property owners, and projects. Um, prospectuses give you a high-level overview of each community. In fact, we did a, a pretty detailed, in-depth survey, uh, asset mapping survey of each community so that you have some of the intangible stuff uh, that makes each community a unique place to live and work, um, including cultural factors that just don't measure up on, on, on the national uh, spectrum. Um, but it gives you a, a, an insight into the heart of each community and, and why each place is special and, and why you would potentially want to locate into those communities. Very good. That's That sounds fantastic. We'll be on the lookout for that next week when, when you release that. Uh, well, Chad, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. We're almost out of time. Uh, a couple more questions for you before we go. In general, what observations have you made about opportunity zones or other place-based type incentives? Uh, any any comments or insights there? I think the biggest insight we can have is from the economic developers and even any any type of project developer uh, perspective, opportunity zones are one tool in, the, in a range of tools in your toolbox. Um, they're more powerful when they're used together. And what we've noticed is as we've assembled our opportunity zones in areas that, that we wanted to redevelop, we have layered more and more uh, tools into the toolkits for each of those areas. And those incentives by themselves um, have led to investment. So a lot, we've noticed a lot of investment in our opportunity zones that not necessarily are using opportunity zone funds, but are taking advantage of the opportunity zone ecosystem that's developed. Uh, I'll give you an example of the town of Church Point, which is about 4,000 people, um, had a uh, meat processing plant expand. Uh, they, they spent in a, you know, between eight and $10 million on their expansion, and they have a new meat processing plant coming online. That's located within the Church Point Opportunity Zone, but neither are using Opportunity Zone funds. However, they are taking advantage of other incentives that are place-based and centered on um, the Opportunity Zone. Uh, another example we have is here in Lafayette. Uh, there is a development um, at, in our University Corridor Opportunity Zones called Model Arts Loft. It's a, uh, a two-phase um, multifamily housing development uh, targeted at workforce housing. Uh, with a leasing preference for artists, uh, after both phases are complete, we're looking at 100 housing units um, and an affordable range uh, with people who are really pioneers that would be settling into the neighborhood. And that uh, investment represents a $37 million investment. Um, they're not using Opportunity Zone funds, but again, they're taking advantage of other incentives that are in the Opportunity Zones uh, that we've layered in. Um, that corridor is one that we've also been fortunate enough to get a, uh, a Department of Transportation build grant for. So on the private side, or the public side, we're referring to that, we have um, transportation improvements, which include um, converting the road to where it's uh, multimodal and, and access friendly for people who have bicycles or walking or using transit. Um, and pairing that with the private development uh, to really drive the revitalization of a whole corridor in the urban core of Lafayette. Um, those types of pairings and, and partnerships are not just opportunity zones, but for example, uh, you know, there was an, there's an incentive under the federal grant programs uh, currently, uh, you score higher on grant applications if you're in an opportunity zone, so we've been able to leverage the opportunity zone designations to help drive other private investments as well as just, um, not just those that are using opportunity zone funds. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, it's always good to keep in mind and a good insight there that uh, 
some people move into opportunity zones or doing developments in opportunity zones might actually not be taking advantage directly of the opportunity zone incentive, but will be beneficiaries of further catalyzing or economic development just within that area there. And of course, as you mentioned, there are a lot of other incentives that kind of get pegged or awarded uh, additional points based on their location within an opportunity zone. A very good point there for you to make there, Chad. Thank you. Yeah, Jimmy, the take home point here is that, um, you know, really it's the ecosystem more so than the incentive itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Well, Chad, I think that We'll wrap it up for us today. Thanks for coming on. Before we do go, can you tell our listeners, and you've got a lot of uh, URLs to give us here, please do tell our listeners where they can go to learn more about you. And let's let's go through uh, those URLs one more time for the Acadiana Planning Commission and Investacadiana and also the uh, OZ Pitch Fest that you're hosting. Okay, let me go systematically through uh, through these. For the Acadiana Planning Commission, you want to visit um, www.planacadiana.org. For the Invest Acadiana um, partnership between us and One Acadiana and uh, the Community Foundation, that is um, investacadiana.org. And finally, for OZ Pitch Fest, uh, you can access that through the Innovate South um, conference webpage at innovatesouth.org. Fantastic. And for our listeners out there today, I will have show notes as always on the Opportunity Zones database website. You can find those show notes at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. And there you will find links to all of the resources that Chad and I discussed on today's episode. Chad, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Jimmy, for having me on. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you liked this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by the Opportunity Database. Visit OpportunityDB.com to learn more about Opportunity Zones and Opportunity Zone Fund investing. You can learn how to subscribe to this podcast and read more about today's guest in the show notes by visiting OpportunityDB.com slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode.